what brands will start to realize is that you get into the space, there's very little that will limit you. With gaming, it's just a little bit more more loose and you can there's a lot more freedom. Hey, I'm Mike Stopforth and this is The One-Eyed Man, a show where I talk to talented people doing meaningful work at the intersection of leadership, technology and, of course, impact. Thanks to those of you who are return listeners. It's been a little bit of a break. And if you're here for the first time, of course, welcome. My guest on this week's show is Barry Lazada. Barry is the founder of Metal State, one of South Africa's leading players in the esports and professional gaming space. In this conversation, we talk about Barry's background, his entrepreneurial journey in the esports industry, and why gaming is such a unique and growing commercial opportunity for brands. Confession, I'm not an avid gamer, an active gamer myself, more of an enthusiast. So there was a hell of a lot to learn from Barry, who also, by the way, happens to be an old friend from the days of my youth in Benoni. I hope you'll enjoy the discussion as much as we did. Here's Barry. Barry, I deliberately didn't want to prepare or prime you for today's conversation because I wanted it to be relatively informal and off the cuff. Mm. But I thought probably the best way to start would be to ask you to explain what it is that Metal State does today. Because I have a sense of what you did or what you were doing leading up to kind of the success of the business right now. But how would you explain it to somebody that has got no understanding? <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I remember having a conversation with you in a parking lot about four or five years ago, and you said you're a what a, phys- a neurophysicist trying to explain this idea this to 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 people that have specialism, to yes, that have zero or the wrong idea. Mm. Even they think they know what they're talking about when it comes to the world that you understand, but they actually know nothing about it. And that's the hardest thing, right? Because I know everything I know, but people and I get these blank stares when I talk to people about it. <laughs> and it's like. And it's exactly that. So, you know, Dimitri and, and I are involved and Metal State kind of took a bit of time to get to where it is. And I mean, just for, for points of reference, Metal State is this gaming and esports platform where we run yeah. tournaments and competitions. And we, we've created a gaming community where gamers can come and play and, uh, engage and win prizes and prize pools and just get into the, into that competitive space. But I was kind of plodding along in the beginning and, Doing what I do as this IT and security engineer that's like, yeah, do business mm. and, and go and here's money and make money. And I didn't have a lot of experience in the actual running of a business. And even today, and I'm sure every business person will say on entrepreneur will say, it's like I'm learning things about myself and business all the time. And I suppose that's a good thing, right? I don't think you should ever get comfortable in a place like I know everything there is to know, but one thing I have learned since since changing partners, and it was always this thing that I wanted as an entrepreneur and a business owner, I wanted someone to do this with me. I wanted mm. like some support and like for a very long time, I was I was kind of short of that. And the new partners I've got have kind of helped me take Metal State and, and like 
move it into a space where a digital platform, for example, offering offering ad space. It's not the it's not what our main purpose is, but we have a massive audience of gamers. These gamers of these Gen Z, Gen X, also then package this this kind of platform into a sellable kind of space. And what we've ended up doing is creating these properties, these independent properties that brands can then get behind. Because what I was trying to do in the beginning was, hey, pay me to run computer game tournaments for you. Now I'm I'm in a space where we've just run the Intel Africa Masters, which was a continental sure. event, and the idea and the concept all came from Metal State. Mm, mm. And, you and know, the brands want to get on board exactly with that because, because of the momentum that it has. Yeah, exactly. So it's exactly that. Is that I was always in this room of people with blank faces going, "Okay, cool, gaming's good. What do we do?" And now I've kind of changed the narrative around that, where it's. Tell me what your problem is and how you want to get into the space of gaming. And I will come to you with the solution. So there's this adage that like some of the best partnerships, whether we're talking about like relationships, marriages, or business partnerships are made up by sort of complementary personalities or skill sets. There's people who would, for all intents and purposes, objectively look very different in their focus and their passion and their capability. But you put them together and they work really well together. and, And you see this... Like, you know, in the advertising agency mm. space, you see the strong creative personality and then you get the more kind yeah. of maybe they came from a legal or financial background and they provide the yes, structure yes, yes. and the framework. But in your world, you're the creative, you're the dreamer, you're the, 100%. You're, you're a visionary. It's right? the second time I've heard that today. Oh, well, there you go. It must be true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you're a visionary about though? Because the moment we mention the phrase gaming, it's going to trigger a certain kind of response or association or stereotype image, yeah in yeah. the mind of of people that might be listening to this and and so so for the average middle-aged corporate executive they're probably immediately going to think about their kid mm. at home hold up in the bedroom on a pc on a console Negative. on their phones um and 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 it might yeah it might not be a positive so i had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine who who said this is something i'm really battling with mm. i want to support what my kids are passionate about i want to support what they care about what they're good at yeah. but i don't understand this so it's difficult for me to so how has the idea of what a gamer is changed over the last couple of years sure so i think i can go from start to finish right my first console great, yeah. was an atari 8 bits you know so i was i was really in it from the pest, there yes was, yeah the atari, like from yeah. the beginning yeah right and and it's the same thing I'll, i i say all the time it's like if your kid was involved in karate or rugby you know how many moms and dads have sat on the side of the field watching their kid play rugby or football and gone out to get him his rugby boots and gone on rugby tour with them and you know invest or even initiate exactly. that original interest exactly yeah. And, and, and spent that time with them. And the same is true for gaming. Mm. I remember reading an article where a mother, a six-year-old mother, wanted to get closer to her son. So she went onto Reddit in the League of Legends subreddit and asked people to teach her about League of Legends so she, so could, she could have a conversation people, yeah. with him. And it's just about understanding what this gaming thing is about, right? You don't have to become a pro gamer or an expert at gaming, but to be able to have a conversation with with your kid about how their game was with League of Legends, and you know, to be able to spark that in in that conversation, even to sit with your kid and and spend that time as you would on the side of a rugby field or at swimming practice or whatever it is, that's when you can have some sort of control as well in in the space of 
Like this isn't healthy. 12 hours a day, not so healthy. Mm. And maybe mm. your kid wants to come out of the room and tell you, mom, dad, this is what happened. Now, you know, 1v2 in Call of Duty and I, and I got the clutch. And just by me saying that, people are going, what are you even saying? 100%, and yeah. when you can understand that terminology, you know, first time you ever hear about rugby and someone says you scored a try, how do you score something mm. that you're trying to do? <laughs> You've either scored or you haven't. Sure. So – just the same as every game has its nuances and kind of, how do I say, words and grammar around it, so does gaming. And I'm not saying that, you know, like now all of a sudden this is the new big thing, but, you know, it's important for people to understand that gaming is has has the potential for, for a business or a job for your kid as well. Because as I sit here, you know, I've got employees, designers, accountants, web developers, project managers, you know, production sure. assistants. These are all normal jobs, right? Um, and globally, so, this globally, is a multi, for sure. multi-billion dollar industry, not just the manufacture and distribution of consoles and PCs and the games behind no. it, but the ecosystem of activity, like you said, the communities of gaming. And I think it would be worthwhile maybe just helping people understand how did we go from maybe the consoles and computers that you and I grew up playing to this networked community today? Because there definitely has been 100%. an evolution. And by my reading of it, and it's worth me kind of, confessing up front i'm not a gamer i have played games but i don't identify i'm not an expert in this space at all but there's two things it seems to me that changed and you can correct me if i'm (laughs) wrong here so the first one was the advent of kind of widespread and accessible networking so the moment kind of processing power and storage capacity and and networking and bandwidth capability caught up to the point where we could create the ability, yeah, the people for, and obviously the internet underpinning a lot of that, the ability for people to connect with wider communities and play, you know, massively multiplayer online games, all of these things mm. made gaming a, a kind of a universally appealing opportunity, not just something I did on my own in my bedroom playing baseball on my Nintendo, right? For sure. So that was the first thing. And the, the second thing, and this is where I guess you built your career initially was, in the in the world of streaming so yeah how did streaming change sports i mean sports specifically for sure i suppose if you look at it if you look at all the the way gaming has happened it's i mean we are all as humans kind of conditioned to do things quicker faster better stronger you know sure. you know more efficiently remember yeah. traveling from from durban the great fur trekkers did their their stints in how many days sure. and now it's about driving you know five, six hours, whatever, flying an hour and a half. Um, it's that access to information, access to data. When you and I were younger and we were downloading our favorite tunes, REM, whatever it is, it would take us two days, you know, sure. you know, in the downloader. Nowadays, you can even on your mobile phone download a five gig game in, in like 20 minutes, maybe even less. LimeWire. Yeah. <laughs> LimeWire was the vibe. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you look at streaming and all of these elements and it, it does come into that space where it's about access, right? And, you know, when you think of broadcasting a football match or a rugby match, there's a lot of moving parts there. Whereas with streaming, it was just simplified. A microphone, a camera, and the internet, and you're A for away. I mean, Justin TV, which is now known as Twitch, which was sold to Amazon for almost a billion dollars, $980 million. You got to consider this guy developed that in his bedroom in varsity. And, and ultimately, it is that. It's that 
instance, insatiable requirement for the consumption of content. TikTok is another really good example of that. And while we love The Witcher and we love the latest series of whatever show it is that we're watching, we also want a diversity and we want to connect with people. So when you're streaming, you're able to engage with that streamer you're able to talk and potentially that streamer goes hey barry you know and you can ask them advice like how did you do that like you know it's also educational and that's another that's another nuance around gaming is that people believe that gaming is this anti-social thing my kid's sitting in in the room for 24 hours a day and all he does is play or she does is play meanwhile they're online talking to people engaging with people building up relationships and friendships i mean when i played competitively I would work from eight to five, mm-hmm. get home, and then I'd play from six o'clock, seven o'clock until 12, one, two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I was an adult at the time and I had to manage my life, but I was spending as much time with those team members of my team as I was with my own family. <laughs> and you're talking about eight, nine hours. I was there when they found out that their wife fell pregnant or they lost their baby, they got engaged, they're getting married, or all of these lies as meaningful a social as connection exactly. as any. Yeah. Exactly. So I think the key shift is that so first of all, networking makes kind of like community gaming possible. For sure. Then streaming makes spectator yes. esports possible, right? Or, or, gaming or even casual possible. gaming, right? Even playing sure. Stardew Valley. You know, it's about being able to to engage with someone that firstly has a similar interest to you, right? We both enjoy football. We can talk about it. We 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 don't support the same team, but we can still converse about Not even it remotely. But yes, yeah, it's okay. <clears throat> but the point is, is that there's that connection. So now you found someone that actually supports the same team as you, and that Stardew Valley. And this person has insights into the game or doesn't, or you can share your knowledge, and that's the way the connection works in gaming. And there's no. This is the best part, right? There's no judgment in the in the, in in the early days let me say this because you could also stream which was called casting mm. which is why commentators for esports are called casters mm. you would mm. be able to create this not a like radio station yes broadcasting yes YouTube but this was casting so casting if you yeah. like yeah so what what would happen is there was there's no predefined you're not kind of judged by the way you look the color of your skin whether you're fat short tall blonde hair there's no there's no stereotyping you're just hearing this voice or you're talking to this person online via text so the knowledge and value of the message that's delivered was the determining factor exactly and that that was what it became is that Mm. it was the most sincere conversation you could have with someone because there was no kind of smoke and mirrors and you know people could be open and 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 engage freely without being feeling judged and that's why a lot of people ended up going into games right Mm. I, I, being one of them, finding a, a space of escapism. It, it, it's obviously moved on from that. And I'm not saying that some kids and people don't do that, but it's the same way people read books. You know, when you're playing a game, it's a story. You're telling the story, but the difference is the story is unfolding with you as the main character and you're playing it out. So, so growing up playing Prince of Persia oh, in 1993 in or Space Quest 2 or whatever. Commander Keen. I, I might have been astonishingly good at those games. For sure. And have no way of knowing that. I might have been the Lionel Messi of Prince of Persia Mm. and have absolutely no way (laughs) of knowing that. And I think one of the things that streaming and networking changed was suddenly you could actually create an audience around your capability. You could show people how talented you were. And multiplayer games. Yeah. And you could build a following. 
yeah. around that. 100%. You could build a, as you said, a team of of very capable mm. Call of Duty players or PUBG players or whatever it might be. Fortnite is another big, um, I mean, maybe arguably one of the the, the most commercially viable or certainly popularity I mean, in the popularity contest. That's what most people would recognize. Um, but the point is here is that like if you can build an audience, you can commercialize the audience for sure. And that was maybe the biggest shift in in the world of esports and gaming, right? From a, from a yeah. money making Abs- and economic viability perspective. Absolutely. You look at some of the biggest talents in esports and gaming, right? Mm-hmm. I've I've played I played many many games, but Battlefield was my main game, right? Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. first first moments in Battlefield. I spawned in onto an aircraft carrier and there were 64 players. This was groundbreaking for me, right? And I look around and there's this Black Hawk there. I jump in. I can fly this thing. Mm. I can't fly this thing. (laughs) But as I jump in, everybody else jumps in, Mm. seven people. And I fly this thing backwards off the aircraft carrier, killing everybody uh, and getting banned for for five five minutes because they all team voted, punished, voted, whatever. (laughs) But the point is, is that after that, I then realized I was actually really good. Not at flying Blackhawks, but, you know, I was really good at the game. Certainly not in reverse, yeah. No, definitely not. But you talk about streamers like, you know, and the most popular ones are not necessarily the best at the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like if they ever heard this, they'd probably like, you know, give me the, flip me the bird. But, you know, someone like a doctor disrespect. The man has built a persona around him. He's created this character. He's got, as he refers to it, the Ethiopian caterpillar that sits across his you know mustache which is quite majestic if i do say but he's got an audience of people and he's created this like 80s persona you know miami vice um and then you've got other you know some of the talent that host and commentate these events a friend of mine sam she's not the best at gaming but she's really good at what she does and she's built an audience around gaming and the knowledge of gaming and it has come through streaming and blogging and vlogging and all of those elements and it's about building that that brand for yourself and yes being good at a game you'll have that audience of those people but when you're generally good at like creating a a a space for yourself a niche space for yourself that this is who i am and this is what i i do there was a there was a gent that was doing minecraft streaming a while back his name was dream and the biggest thing he had going for him is that no one knew what he looked like Oh, wow. He just, he, no one knew what he looked like. And I think he, he today still holds the highest concurrent viewers on his stream because it was the reveal stream. And it was something like eight or 900,000 people. I, I mean, oh, I'm not and they, and they broke Twitch, but it's all about, and, and the problem is, is the minute he revealed after that, it was just, Dropple. He just became an that average gent. Yeah. He just became an average, average guy, everyday streamer. So you find these, these nuances and spaces that you can work in in the space of gaming. I've gone into the esports and gaming space. I, I feel that there's a, there's, there's most certainly a space for people to work and kind of build their careers through it, whether it be through content creation, cosplay, streaming. Streamers, I mean, at the moment are, there's a big conversation around it in South Africa about, you know, the opportunities for them with brands and that. And there's always this chicken and egg scenario where how do I as metal state go and talk to a, a, a streamer or a content creator and they average 10, 10 to 30 people, you know, and then you're asking for, as an example, 10,000 Rand. 
brands are, you know, every every cent that they've got, they need to make that work, right? Mm, so, yeah. I, I mean, and I deal with that as, as metal states as well. They need to see some sort of ROI. And when you look at all these different elements around the gaming and the streaming, and they, they can all work. They, I mean, it's been proven time and time again that you can create something out of this. And it does come down to the high-speed internet, the you know the access to it, the availability, the fact that you can now run games, Call of Duty on your mobile device, PUBG Mobile. I mean, I know you were a big fan of it at one point. <laughs> yeah, I've had to delete it three times. <laughs> so, so there is definitely something there for it. So if I watch the, the box playing Argentina this weekend or, or any, you know, South Africa playing cricket mm. or, uh, the, you know, the netball world cups coming up, whatever it might be, some sporting code that's been, uh, broadcast on DSTV. Um, I'm going to see brands plastered all over those broadcasts. There's going to be, you know, kind of ads that are mm. screened in between the match at half time. Yeah. There's going to be product placement. There's, there's this very established and very mature ecosystem between the broadcaster, the rights holder, the, um, the sponsors, the fans. There's so and there's many, this yeah. kind of, you know, I think, you know, very, very nuanced, but also very specialized understanding. Mm. And there's massive industries built around that, um, that interplay. Now you've been forging ahead, trying to help brands understand the value of this mm. opportunity as a, uh, as a commercial opportunity, but also just as a brand building and, and kind of connecting deeply with your audience and with your, your fan base opportunity for, for years. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, brands are starting to understand the opportunity in esports and gaming, or are you still fighting the fight to really translate the value of the opportunity? Where are you at in that in that journey? I think it's important to understand, like we're in Africa, right? We're in the bo- and we're now in even lower South Africa, yeah. which is like so far away from the rest of the planet, hmm. um, and we deal with things like latency, you know. Um, and latency is something that the ping, your speed that you're connected to these servers. And How a lot does that of, affect the game? Well, it, would it, it mean that their experience is not as immediate or refined? Yeah, exactly or, that. Okay. So it makes, it just makes the, the overall gaming experience difficult. So, um, there's a delay on the response. You know, when you're playing these, um, FPS games and like super First high, person shooter yeah, games, right? Yeah. High crunch moments where you've got to quickly snap out and take your shot. That gets affected by the high latency. So, so I mean, in like in layman's terms, it's literally like being in a war. But like you, your reactions are three milliseconds slower than everybody else in the war, right? Like, yes, or it would the, be as threatening to your survival. The best, the best way is that you're watching Netflix, yeah, and just as something insane is about to happen, it starts buffer. to buffer, oh, yeah, okay. and then it comes back. But now it's not that it carries on where it left off; it comes back after he said what he said or done. <laughs> so that's that's the problem, yeah. right? So you don't even get that that middle piece the of info, of yeah, up, yeah. So. You talk about, you know, the, the, the where we are in South Africa. We don't even get, we don't even feature on like 95% of publishers, um, release dates. Diablo 4 came out and like Africa is just this, this, this Lip hole, on their radar, yeah. which has got no launch time dates or anything. You know, we're just this non entity. So you look at, uh, you compared uh, Springboks versus Argentina. I'll go like for like. That's an international event, right? Mm-hmm. We'll compare an international event. You had a couple weeks, a couple months ago in, in Paris, the CSGO Major. So CSGO Major is, it's, it's not as major as it sounds, but it's a really big event and it's a million dollar prize pool. 
So it is quite big in the gaming space and probably most sporting sure. um, codes sure. as well. And they probably have a major every two or three months. So there's a lot of money going into it. So, I mean, you're likening to the, the like golf at the highest level. For sure. Million dollar prize pools, right? For like sure. To, to tennis tournaments. Yes. Like this is at the highest level of, of earning potential for professional sports people. Yes. And that's why we, you know, we talk about esports pros, right? Mm. Um they had 3.8 million concurrent viewers and a stadium of 75,000 people watching. That's, even that's gold, now. right? That's gold for a brand. Um, DHL, there's, I've got a nine-second video clip somewhere where the entire stadium is screaming out DHL, DHL. And all they did was hand out cake pops. You know, cake pops. And it just shows how engaged this audience is, right? And we're talking about all these different things about, um, you know, where, where esports sits. Then you've got South Africa and Africa as a whole. And we're not going to be sitting at 3.8 million because we've got this chicken and egg scenario, right? We're, we're at the bottom of the funnel, Mike, where we've got power problems. You've got internet problems, you know, access to internet. But as, as so I, it's not just a perception of the value of esports or gaming as an advertising of, there's a very real infrastructural challenge for sure that affects not just the brands that are supporting this, but like the actual players and yes. the, the pros in adverted commerce. Yeah. But as the technology and equipment like mobile devices become more readily available, I've started to see more and more people getting involved, more and more people getting behind, you know, gaming because metal states went pre pre pandemic. We were sitting at about 14,000 subscribers on our platform. Mm -hmm. We're now sitting on almost 300,000 subscribers. So are those all South Africans? uh, 90% of them are. Yes. So there's a lot of, and that's not even the tip of the iceberg. You're probably looking at about really proper gamers, probably about 3 million, 3 million gamers in South Africa. And, and that number is obviously growing, but uh, you so know, right now you're reaching actively probably ten eight to ten percent of the active audience. Hundred percent. So, okay. And and uh, maybe more because you know people that are engaging with my content for Metal State might not be interested in signing up and playing in competitions. Sure. But they're interested in what's going on within them. So the fans. But we not, could make an assu- we could make a lot of assumptions actually sure. about those registered users we can assume that they can afford broadband internet 100 probably got relatively um capable devices that they're using so there's a lot that we could know about that audience absolutely Um, and they're all interested in it so you mentioned the pandemic was that a big accelerant for you uh as a business i mean i imagine a lot of people turned to gaming um, and esports as a maybe a distraction or a way to kind of fill up time was it good for you guys so to answer, I will answer that question to answer your first question where you said like our brand starting to get into yeah. it. And that's the perfect kind of segue is that brands were forced to find other avenues sure. to, to spend Stadiums this budget, shut, this marketing yeah. and to then still continue to engage with, with audiences. And mm, mm. I mean, most people went out and bought playstations and whatever to keep themselves busy in their downtime. And yes, brands have started to open up and I'm meeting with brands I never thought I would be meeting with to talk about gaming and esports and how to get into that space and kind of how to work in that space. So the pandemic was that kickstarter, right? Most certainly because 
Obviously, there's a driving factor when brands in other countries are going, wow, we're smashing it out the park with esports yeah. and gaming. And, a bit of FOMO. You know, yeah. and, and they're being told globally, like, you need to get into gaming. I know Coke did some World of Warcraft thing. McDonald's have gotten involved. And DHL, like I said, Mercedes, Axe, Body Spray. A lot of these brands are getting involved. So they're, they're definitely seeing a benefit. They're not only getting involved, they're staying involved. They're staying in that space. Talking about branding in, in stadiums and all of those things. Right now, esports is just such a clean space to work in. Mm. You're not, you know, it's not uh, this this brand is paying, you know, Burger King is paying for this football league. McDonald's is paying for that football league. KFC is paying for that football league. This is now a space where it's still fairly open and available and, you know, fairly clean. Mm. And because mm. you've got multiple games that you can kind of run within the esports kind of ecosystem there's there's plenty of opportunity and these brands are starting to see it and they're you know they're wanting to know how how they can get involved and like i said right in the beginning i think the biggest problem for a digital strategist or a bud of some agency or brand manager is that cool i've been told i need to get into gaming i like the idea it seems pretty novel but like i don't know where to put an insurance company into gaming sure Sure. And and I'll sit here and go, cool, but how much is a console? How much is a PC? I mean, those are all insurable products. Sure. On top of that, people don't see that gamers are actually consumers. I drive a car. I'm a gamer. I need to insure yeah. my car. Yeah. I need to buy a house. I need to buy a car. Yeah. I brush my teeth. I, you know, brush my hair. So just being able to afford to game exactly tells you a little bit about the audience again so there's a sense that the, the you know the more established codes that let's call it comfort sporting mm. codes you know the, <laughs> the football the 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 rugby um uh, tennis whatever it might be um there's obviously a lot of brands vying for and competing for those properties so sure. you could argue that a lot of those sponsorship opportunities have been sold at a premium that is not necessarily based on tangible benefit in a lot of these cases, and this is not true for everyone, but in a lot of these cases, the brands just don't want to not be there. We don't want to not have sure. a viable, you know, recognizable code representation. Mm. So, so they're not actually converting the value of that sponsorship. They're just like, as long as we're on the t-shirt, just make sure we're for there. Sure. Um, because it's sort of benefit by association thinking. Whereas you're, you're talking about a space that is, you know, broadly speaking, almost completely unmined. And You're there's right. a lot of opportunity there. And and for very measurable, I mean, we're talking about a completely digital experience. So surely the opportunities for, for measurement and for conversion, they're far more uh, clear or tangible than it might be how many people are buying eSIMs because they saw our brand on a shirt at a rugby stadium. For sure. And, and that's exactly it, right? Is you look at the kids of today. They do live in this world. I mean, you, you've got kids and you, you sit. I sometimes sit and I'm watching and I'm going, I don't know what's going on here because yeah. it's one AirPod different, in while having universe, a conversation. Yeah. And it's this TikTok life, right? Scroll, mm. scroll, scroll. They're not looking up at billboards. They're not listening to the radio at all. They're, they've got Spotify. They're not mm. watching uh, the ads on YouTube. They're not doing any of that stuff. And anything that they're going to get involved in needs to be authentically in the space that they enjoy, right? Yeah. So when I when I say to you, you know, like a insurance, for example, you know, on our website, insure your rig, we got you covered, you know, are you a man down? You know, insurance will will super sub in. It's about that authentic engagement and 
now you're still selling your product, but you're doing it in an, in like an organic way to towards the, this specific community, and they don't that that's that's okay for them because now you're supporting what they're doing, right? You're getting in that space of what they're doing, and you're not having to compete. It is this unmined space. If I look at some of the biggest esports tournaments in the world it's it's the likes of vodafone mercedes axe bose is another big one mm, mm. Uh, state farm for for insurance, league, league yeah, of yeah. legends insurance uh, there's been i mean even dhl like people are going why dhl but i mean people gamers buy stuff around the world courier stuff all over the place they want the latest 490 nvidia whatever or you look at um which was the other one that i thought of Head and shoulders. I mean, all of these guys are getting into the space because they, they <laughs> leave your console to shower. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, don't put dandruff on your new headsets. I mean, like, ultimately, it's just it's this new this. It's I can't even say it's nuanced anymore because every person I talk to, well, it's multifaceted, right? There's yeah, a sure. lot of different opportunities. If you think a little bit more laterally than yeah. just, do we have anything to do with gaming? Mm. Um, so, so you are, I mean, you started this conversation by saying, you know, we sat in a parking lot and we had some tough conversations, a few tough For conversations sure. where you said, I'm doing this thing because I love it. Yeah. I'm doing this because it's what I'm deeply passionate about. I'm right at the edge of this growing space in South Africa. We do feel like we are technologically or infrastructurally handicapped mm. be- just because of geography. And this is, I mean, it was tough. It was, it was. You, you were, you were, I mean, I hope you won't mind me saying you were flipping battling to keep yeah. Metal State going. Yeah, yeah. Now you have brands coming to you. Yes. Which is amazing. It right? is amazing. Finally, finally, the market has caught up with the opportunity. There's a deeper understanding, I think, of how they can get involved. There is an appreciation that this is not some fringe fad. No. This is a, you know, this is a viable and, and established and, and I think more, mature marketing opportunity than any of them imagined it would be five, 10 years ago, yeah. 17, 10 years ago. What are some of the really interesting things that brands are coming to you with or are proposing or are doing? How are brands partnering with Metal State in ways that maybe you didn't even imagine were possible at the beginning? Well, I mean, the first thing I obviously had to do was change the way I approach brands, right? Sure. Because I, I, like I said before, I was the guy that was saying, you know, give me money to do gaming. It's popular. People like it. <laughs> and I was like, why aren't you giving me money? I don't understand. <laughs> and obviously the numbers is a thing. It always is. It's the ROI, the reach, what they're going to get. Because the brand is there for a reason. They want course, that brand awareness. They want that reach. They want to sell their products. And that's all it's about. Obviously, changing the narrative like, hey, guy, I've got this cool idea for your brand. Look at your brand and how it could be in gaming. And then all of a sudden, that changed. But even um, if those numbers are there, it's worth saying, and we would have conversations about this before, is that a lot of brands will look to follow their competitors. You know, they'll look for somebody to forge the path. Yes. Be the brave. Yes. You know, Who's going to do step this out into that space, and then I'll kind of follow on yeah. after that. And I think that happens across the board. I mean, yes. even in things like UFC. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I love my MMA and whatever. And you see brands kind of. Yeah. It wasn't into popular this? until it was popular, kind of thing. Well, yeah. I mean, it's you could argue very violent, very brutal kind of. Do we want to be associated with? blood spattering all over the, the, the screen. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you've got people clamoring to be a part of it because 
that audience shot through the roof during the pandemic because mm. somehow Dana White figured out how to hold events on a, <laughs> an island. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's not all that dissimilar. Yeah. Um, if you if you look at the 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 correlations in brand participation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's exactly that. And like brands, sorry, I derailed you. No, no, there, no. Yeah. Good thing I've I've um, I've known you for a long enough time to know how to <laughs> but, navigate past yeah. the tangent. Yeah, but like Mamelodi Sundowns was one of them, right? Yeah. Why would an actual football team want to and not look for an esports player, but like they wanted to do something that could bring younger fans to them? So, you could almost argue that they might be worried that it would be a. Th- that it would threaten their For audience, sure. right? Or be a, a kind of a competitive yeah. uh, activity, yeah? But you're looking at a, at a team that's made it into now the FIFA game for mm-hmm. the first time over in, a, you know, I mean, Pirates and Chiefs were there, but they, they'd broken the mold. Like, oh, we're also in the game now. And we went off and we conceptualized an entire thing for them where we, we, we wanted to democratize esports as well because it has historically been this white boy thing because, sure. you know, we could afford it well, and the consoles. by virtue of privilege. hundred percent, hundred percent. And democratizing it by taking the games to to those Audiences that, 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 haven't been that able can't to get yeah. to those. Yeah. So we went to all the malls, the, and not, not the Santon cities, but sure. the malls that, um, you know, out in Kabecha and, you know, Limpopo and all those regions where they also don't have access to infrastructure and stuff, running competitions, pulling in thousands of, of gamers, flying them out, finding um, some Lionel Messi, finding there, some, yeah. some, you know, some hidden gems. And we did actually, I, I under a little kid that came from Durban, I think, or outside of Durban. Flew him to, to Joburg, never been on a plane. We had to like escort him and show him how yeah, it's done. Yeah. Just gave him an experience that he's never experienced in his life. And he almost, he got through to the semifinals and won himself like 30 or 40,000 Rand, oh, if I'm not way. mistaken. And like really took some of the best players, um, to toe, like stood toe to toe with them. And we built this little mini stadium and, mm. you know, and that's, that's the thing as well is that what brands will start to realize is that you get into the space. There's very little that will limit you. Mm. You know, when you talk about Argentina and Springboks, you can only do this. You can only have, oh, this sure. much, you know, yeah. and it can only be this color and it needs with gaming. It's just a little bit more, more loose and you can, there's a lot more freedom. There's very few things that can stop you from, from executing experimenting on, and or experimenting or, yeah. and ex- executing on these crazy ideas, air quote, crazy ideas that you might have. And like, you know, Sundowns was one of them. The Intel Africa Masters was another, you know, Hey, how about we just fly people from Algeria and Egypt and Nigeria and Tunisia? Um, and, you know, get them Kenya and get them all on, on a stage and get them to play against each other. And, you know, it was amazing for me. One of the nicest things is the Nigerian team rocks up and it's like three guys and two girls. And that was their team. And you look at South Africa and it's just five white guys and it's like, cool. And then you look at Algeria and it's five guys and it's, and I'm like, Nigeria is like going, the, going the that way. way. Yeah. And like, what are we doing here? And, as I say that, and I don't want to be too critical of it, because when I started, girls in gaming were unheard of, a, a, yeah. a, a, like a myth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it 
What? <laughs> and, and there's all these memes of like, you know, if, you know, if a guy hears a girl in, in game, it's like uh, a, a famous thing is like if, if, you need, if you don't have cash in Counter-Strike, you ask someone for a gun yeah. and they'll buy one and toss it over to you. And this girl pipes up and says, does anyone have an AWP? And the next thing, five AWPs <laughs> <laughs> like land at her feet, AWPs a rifle. But, but the point is, is we're sitting at like a 40 to 60 ratio now. My daughter plays games. That's incredible. And and I mean that's a that's a seismic shift, isn't and, it? And we're growing and, and it's and it's because it's becoming more accessible to people and girls are also wanting to play these games and games are being made also for non-violent type games and yeah. you know where well, they my can... daughter's into PUBG now my son is well, kind of quit he's not interested anymore is he COD has he moved on to COD yet no like for some reason he was just never really into gaming I don't know like he, and he, that's he the thing wanted, yeah so it was never really his thing she loves it yeah so she sort of started with Fortnite and now she's obsessed with PUBG trying to get me back onto the app which I've that know, would be the, a bad idea no it's just I should not really, for <laughs> those of you who don't know PUBG is a is a how do you describe battle, it? It's a yeah. battleground, like a battle royale, battle style, royale first person game. shooter, quite realistic, but a multiplayer game that you play online. And I got so embarrassingly addicted to this game that I literally, literally had to delete the app to stop myself you, from playing. You it. know that's based off of like a very old Korean movie. What? Oh, 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 I thought PUBG. you meant my behavior. No. Um, <laughs> PUBG. Um, okay. No, I did not know that. I'll I actually see, yeah. I can't remember the name. I know, but it's my... called Battle Royale, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, dude, even down to the yellow tracksuit with the stripe. Oh, wow. It's all, all in there. Okay. And, and it's like, it was, I the think. Kill it, Bull style. It was, a, yeah. it was uh, you know, Asian movie styles. Yeah, it's yeah. like overpopulation. Mm. So how do we deal with overpopulation? Just put Take all the kids in an arena. And, and, yeah, and, um, get them to the last one left. You like can ha- live. What, what Hunger Games would have been based off, basically. 100%. Yeah, so, from. Yeah, but Battle, I think Fortnite hit that, that sweet spot, that unique. In between in those between, two like, audiences. Not too violent, mm. you know, not too serious. And that's why they can work with the likes of Marvel. Yeah. You know, yeah. because, you know, there's no violent, they, they, they did something as simple as, I mean, I'm going to say it, but when you kill someone in the game, right? That even saying that is quite harsh. Yeah. They change. So you're playing PUBG, one kill, you know, you killed this person, you yeah. killed that. Fortnite, they changed that to eliminated from the arena. Hmm. You know, just eliminating just things that you change the accessibility level. I sure. Guess. Exactly. Well, the comfort their parents might have, right? Removing the blood. Keepers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's all of that. So, so you've, you know, you've touched on this like shift in the gender balance or gender mm. split in, in gaming as a kind of uh, general ecosystem, which I think is a nice segue into a conversation about you're not just building a great business in the space and you're not just established as a thought leader and personality in, in esports and gaming in South Africa, but I think you also care very deeply about the growth of not just esports and gaming, but of the community and the health of the community in South Africa. So, I mean, we've spoken about the kind of uh, accessibility and and and, and narrowing that gender uh, divide. What are some of the other things that you hope will change or shift in the system over the next sort of three to five years as you hope to grow your business in the middle of that? Mm. Right. What What are you hoping to see? I think 
You know, when we first met as well, early on with Metal State and I was struggling, the biggest fault or flaw, I don't know, I, I don't like those words, but the biggest problem I had was that... Obstacle. Obstacle, thank you, was that I was doing it for the passion of gaming. Mm-hmm. And and passion can only take you so far, right? When you true. When you're running a business, passion, and I think, you, I don't know if you said it or somebody said it to me, but passion can easily be mistaken for desperation, Hmm. And especially when you're selling something that people don't understand, right? Now I, I'm passionate about gaming, but it's like if I'm not a gamer, I'm like, you, you look a little desperate. And, and that's, that's, that's where I kind of, where I kind of realized I need to actually become more professional about this. And obviously professionalizing things is how you got, how you've got the Premier League, how you've got the Champions League. Of course. How, you know, all of these things. Even things like IPL and established sports. For and, sure. Uh, sporting and codes, yeah. Exactly. And it's like some someone important to me said, how do you expect people to take gaming seriously if you don't take it seriously? Oh, wow. How do you expect people to see you as professionals if you're not professionalizing this? I hope to see that at one at one point that that we're at a level where Africa is hosting its own international major. I know that a lot of times people look and they see brands like McDonald's and Coke and Doritos and Red Bull and you know all these brands getting into gaming and this knee jerk reaction is that these brands are just dropping bombs like like millions and millions of rands and in reality they're not because they want to test the space out so they'll share some money and not six figures they'll share some money and then all of a sudden the perception is that we can make money from this and yes to a certain extent there is money to be made in a professional industry as there is with everything as long as you can offer a service that someone else wants you can make money from it and that's a streamer, a content creator, a, a, a caster, business owner, whatever it is. But it's that knee-jerk reaction where, you know, we're not there yet. So you need to build up this. You need to build up your business. And if that business is you as a commentator or a host or a content creator or a, a gamer or a developer or a designer, whatever that is, you need to build that up so that you are an asset or valuable for someone to get involved in and that shouldn't be determined by your sex your color your age or any of that stuff right i've always said that gaming is the great equalizer Hmm. this 43 year old gen can run just as quickly as your daughter can on PUBG battlefield right so there it doesn't matter but ultimately at the end of the day it doesn't matter what brands are going to get involved you have to have something valuable for them to kind of want to invest in and one of my favorite quotes is you need to learn how to pivot you know in the great immortal words of ross um from friends pivot into spaces that will be become more valuable for you and you know we don't make mistakes we just learn from them and i mean that's stolen from many many people before me but ultimately it's about understanding that as metal state you know, we didn't we didn't start up and just like, you know, smash the lights out. And we've gone and learnt and made mistakes and learnt every single step along the way. But it's about how you kind of direct yourself and create and reinvent yourself to to suit the climate and the the space that you're in. Because ultimately at the end of the day, if you're not moving forward and kind of evolving to what's needed, then then you are gonna just be left behind. 
Where do people find you? How can they find out more about Metal State? How can they stalk you on the internet? <laughs> it's firstly, it's Metal State as in M-E-T-T-L-E, like mm-hmm. as in test your metal, mm-hmm. metalstate.com or just barry at metalstate.com. And, you know, I'm... I'm going to give away some of my, what is it, Anthrax ZA. Anthrax is my lethal gaming name. Got to have a lethal gaming inspire name. fear and destruction in people's lives. But yeah, I mean, Barry at MetalState.com or at MetalState.com. Awesome, my friend. As always, uh, uh, forever a pleasure, never at all. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Just so great to to connect with you again. And, and, and also, uh, literally from the bottom of my heart, to see you succeed the way that you are. Very exciting to watch the progress of Metal State over the last couple of years. And I have absolutely no doubt that it's going to multiply from here uh, into the future. So best of luck to you Thank and you. to the rest of your business. Thank you, Bud. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the One-Eyed Man podcast. I'm Mike Stopforth, an entrepreneur, writer, and public speaker, deeply curious about discovering better ways to lead and better ways to live in an increasingly complex world. I find the best source of these ideas is the experience and wisdom of interesting people who are taking unconventional approaches to solving the world's most compelling problems. If you'd like to hear from someone I haven't yet spoken to, visit mikestopforth.com, click on the podcast link, and send through your suggestions. A big thanks to the Solid Gold Podcast Studios in Johannesburg, South Africa, for making this production possible. And remember, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man slash person, is king. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.